Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, a place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. How much do you know about your tongue? Now, assuming that you're not a doctor here today, uh, not a specialist in mouths, uh, not weirdly obsessed with tongues for some reason, you probably don't know a whole lot other than it's in there and it does stuff that seems to help you live. Uh, you, You might know that it's got something to do with taste, Uh, But let me tell you a few fun facts about the tongue. We know that close to 50% of the bacteria in our mouths lives on the surface of our tongues. That's a rather pleasant thought, isn't it? Perhaps even more pleasant is this. When we kiss someone, we swap 256 colonies of bacteria with our partner. Uh, so maybe you shouldn't try and forget that fact next time you lean in for a romantic uh, moment with your partner. 256 swapping of bacteria uh, happening there. Uh, another interesting fact, we know that approximately 85% of the population can curl their tongue into a tube. Oh, everyone is so restrained. I was expecting every time I say this for, to look out and people be going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm one of the 85%, so uh, I'm, I'm not unique. If you can't do it, you're unique, you see, right? Uh, you can feel good about yourself. Uh, speaking of uniqueness, another fact that I find quite interesting about the tongue is that every single person has a unique tongue print. Isn't that fascinating? So um, if someone was to go around licking stuff, you could tell who it was uh, if, <laughs> if you covered their tongue uh, with um, fingerprint dust or whatever it is that police do to figure that sort of stuff out. Uh, and the final fact that I want to give you about the tongue today is that relative to size, uh, no matter how many kind of bench presses you've been doing, the tongue uh, is comparatively, uh, and when its size is taken into, in- into account, the strongest muscle in the body. That is where all your strength lives uh, as a muscle-to-power ratio in your tongue. So it's an interesting little piece of equipment that God has placed in our mouths, isn't it? And of course, as we heard in the reading that Fiona read to us this morning, the Bible tells us that the tongue, though small, boasts of great exploits, that it is a beast that must or that we uh, need to work out how to control. Uh, And as we unpack uh, that reading from chapter 3 today, uh, hopefully we're going to feel encouraged by God uh, that we're going to be able to live wisely uh, and that he's going to transform us and so in doing so transform our tongue or or the words that come out of our mouth. Before we look at James chapter 3, it's important to think about what the whole Bible says about the tongue or about actions. Uh, And we know that for James, it's really important what we say. What what the words that come out of our mouth for James really matter to him. 
And so back in chapter 1, he said in verse 19, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And then verse 26, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. He says what you say matters. It is a reflection of who you are. And if it doesn't match who you say you are with the things that you say and the things that you do, James says there's a problem. And in fact, uh, he's really just echoing the words of Jesus there, isn't he? Who, back in Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 12, we read Jesus say these words. Uh, He's talking to the Pharisees and he says to them, You brood of vipers, how how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And then uh, a few verses later in verse 37 of chapter 12, Jesus says, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Not because it's the words that are doing it, but it's because the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. How we use our tongue, how we speak to others, is a brilliant reflection of what's going on inside of us and in fact the old testament too the book of proverbs full of sayings about the importance of controlling the tongue let me just read uh, one from proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit what we say matters how we say things matters and so it's clear i think and i could keep going on and on and on about what the bible says about the importance of our words and and the importance of of the tongue and its need to be tamed and controlled but what we see i think clearly is that the tongue is capable of getting us into all sorts of trouble if we're not careful So let's look more closely at what James says about this tiny little beast that we've got inside of us, the tongue. He says in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. He begins his section on talking about how we speak by first addressing those who speak with authority, teachers. And he says to them, be careful. Think twice about taking up the role of a teacher because if you are a teacher, God's going to judge you strictly. The standards are going to be higher. The way you use your tongue because of its the authority with which you're going to use it, God's going to hold that in higher standards. It's very hard to have verse 1 of chapter 3 and then get up here and, and preach a sermon. Because I'm reading this guy, that's that's talking to me. But it's not just talking to me, it's talking to all of us. Whenever we have that kind of teaching role, that passing on the faith to the next generation. When we use our tongues and speak with authority, the authority of God by speaking his words to others and teaching others to follow his words, this is a serious business indeed and God takes it seriously. James continues, verse 2, We all stumble in many ways. Well, that's a relief after reading verse 1. We all stumble in many ways. 
anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. We all make mistakes. We all do things we regret. Sometimes our tongues do get the better of us, even those of us who are teachers. I'm sure you don't have to think too hard about a time where your tongue got you into trouble. I remember uh, as a high school student, I had a group of Christian friends uh, and uh, we had another friend who we didn't really like that much. Like we, we sort of put up with him because we were trying to be Christian, but then we weren't being very Christian because uh, we, when he would go away, we'd all talk about how much we didn't like him. And eventually he figured out that that's what we were saying about him when he wasn't there. And then you can imagine how that felt because he, he thought we were his closest friends and we were being a little bit two-faced and talking behind his back. And in fact, the whole thing blew up terribly and uh, he was crushed. Uh, he walked away from church for a while uh, and I haven't had a lot to do with him since he was moved far away uh, and our lives have gone in different directions. A shocking example of the power of the tongue to do damage. To do damage with our own relationships, but to do damage to others' relationships with God. I'm sure some of you can think of times you've made big mistakes with your speech as well, for we all stumble in many ways. And James actually says, doesn't he, that this is to be expected, that though the tongue is small, uh, it has a big impact. And he gives uh, examples from verses 3 to 6. He gives these three examples of of what the tongue is like, three illustrations, if you will. He starts in verse 3 with the the bit in the horse's mouth. Now, I was kind of hoping that Penny would be here today because she uh, is a horse rider and she could have told us much more about this than I can, having never ridden a horse ever in my life. But I have uh, been bored on uh, a a Sunday afternoon when the Olympics are on TV and I have watched uh, that horrible sport uh, where uh, they sort of trot a horse around in a sandpit Um, I think it's called equestrian or something, Uh, and I'm sure someone can explain to me why that's interesting. But uh, uh, one thing that is kind of interesting about it uh, is the fact that this is a... They're on a horse, and that horse is a powerful beast. And that horse ought to be able to run and jump like you see in the more interesting events where they, like, jump over stuff and go really fast. But here we have this horse controlled by the rider partly because of the duration, but also because of the bit in the horse's mouth. And James says, this is what the tongue is like, something small that has great effect. Likewise, he says in verse 4, it's like the rudder of a ship. Uh, we've all just experienced the, the, the tall ship, uh, the, sorry, the wooden boat festival and, and the tall ships were here. And uh, Alyssa and I took Amity down to the water when they did the sail past uh, a, few, a week or so ago. Uh, and they're quite stunning pieces of equipment, aren't they? Particularly the big tall ones. And thinking about what James says there about how that tiny little rudder, comparatively speaking to the rest of the ship, is what helps the boat to steer left and right, to get into the right position for the wind to catch the sails. Vital for the sailing of a ship. Small and yet big effect. 
And then finally, verses 6 and 7, he talks about the tongue being like a spark that lights a fire. And again, we don't have to think too far into our collective memories as people who live in Hobart, do we, about the power of fire. And what struck me as we've seen the warnings come up on the TV over the last couple of weeks uh, about the different fires in the different parts of Tasmania uh, is you would hear these warnings, uh, hey, Jeevesden, look out. It's time for you to get ready. Leave if you don't have a plan or stay and fight. Your house is potentially going to come under ember attack. The warnings were always not like, look out, the, the, the fire's like going to come and get you, though it may do that, but you're, you're likely to come under ember attack. These little pieces of falling, burning uh, bush are going to fall and they might go on your house and then your house will burn down just like the spark that James talks about in verses 5 and 6. Of course, the spark that James talks about with the tongue uh, is is its capacity for, for bad. Small things can have a big impact, says James, just like our tongues. And if we use our tongue to say bad things to slag people off behind their backs, to stir up rumours, to stir up gossip, then we're not heading in a direction that makes us more like Jesus. We, that our tongue has shown that we're, we're drifting and we're facing in the total wrong direction. But if we're using our tongue to build each other up, to encourage one another, uh, we're, we're s- holding ourselves back from rumour spreading or gossiping uh, and our tongues are things that we use for praising the Lord Jesus and speaking to others about him, then we know that our tongue uh, has got us going in the right direction. Of course, controlling the tongue is a difficult thing to do indeed and in verses 7 to 12, James says this, doesn't he? He says that the, the, the tongue is hard to control but we need to control it and the only way we're going to control it is through having our hearts changed. James says in verses 7 and 8 that all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. (coughs) Excuse me. James says... The tongue is untamable. He's saying you can practice all you like. You can uh, bring up all the self-control that you can possibly muster. And you can try your hardest to be a nice guy. But when you get tired, when you get annoyed, when someone does something that's frustrating, you might be able to sort of keep your mouth shut once. Maybe twice, maybe three times, but eventually your tongue will slip. You'll be tempted to say some unkind things, either to their face or behind their back. All of us, I'm sure, can think of that time we've uh, been on the sports field, having just tried to tell our friends about Jesus before the game, getting onto the sports field and then calling the ref a watch-from-a-quality watch-from-a-face. Even when you're in a great mood, the tongue can be 
an untamable beast. All I have to do is move over here to tell you something and kick my toe on the lectern and out of my mouth could come something rather unpleasant. What are we to do with this untamable beast? Well, as followers of Jesus, we believe, don't we, that we are given a power that is beyond our own. We are given the power of the Holy Spirit, that he lives within us and that he can tame the tongue, that the Holy Spirit can transform us into a vessel that speaks praises of God. In fact, the only way it is possible to speak praises of God is because of the work of the Holy Spirit. You might remember if you were here last week that we talked about how it is our faith that saves us, but that faith has to be genuine. It has to give birth to acts of love. And James makes the point that uh, faith without deeds is dead. Real faith is a faith that is transformative. And we see here, I think, the same thing, that transformative faith that trusts the Lord Jesus and allows his spirit to go to work in us is transformative. I think this is what James is alluding to in this uh, second uh, part of this bit about the tongue. He's calling us to rely on God, to seek his work in our hearts, to have him as the source so that we'll produce the fruit of righteousness. A heart that is changed by the Holy Spirit is the source of speech that builds up that encourages and that praises God. And the flip side of that, a heart that is built on ourselves, our own ideas. This is a heart which flows, uh, and a tongue which brings out speech, which tears down, which is deliberately harmful, which is full of bitterness. And so my question for you today, as we round off this section on the tongue is what does your tongue say about you? If you think about every single thing that you've said over the last week or the last month, what does it say about the direction that you're heading in? Because God wants to transform you. He wants to make you a person who speaks life, who is a source of fresh water, not salt. Well, Jesus, uh, sorry, James, correction, uh, finishes off this chapter in verses 13 to 18 with a call to each one of us to live a wise life, uh, a life where we speak well, a life that is lived wisely. And he describes the wise life in verse 13, doesn't he? Who is wise and understanding among you, he says? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And what is that wisdom like, verse 17 and 18? The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, then considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. See, when God transforms us by his spirit, 
Not only does our speech change, our whole way of living changes, we now are able to live a wise life uh, by his standards. And that is not a life that we're, where we show off how smart we are or the things that we know. Rather, it is one where we live in humility, where we love peace and purity, where we consider others, where we submit to those whom God has put in leadership over us, where we bring out good fruit out of the good stored up in our hearts, where we work for peace in relationships with one another, in relationships with our world. And this kind of peace-loving life of humility, the wise life, is a direct contrast to the other kind of life James talks about, the earthly and unspiritual wisdom. Verse 14, But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. In verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. The contrary to the wise life, live trusting God, is a life not of peacemaking, not of humility, but of bitterness, of selfishness and of envy. And these sorts of attitudes lead to disorder, lead to evil practice, lead to a life lived far from God. I think one of the things about uh, living in community together, about worshipping God together, is that God actually calls us to help each other live like this. That sometimes uh, we need help. We need the help of others to live the kind of life God is calling us to. Uh, One, it's hard to do any of these good things God talks about, like be peace-loving, unless we're doing that in community. But also, sometimes it takes the loving, gentle, humble servant who's sitting next to us in the pew to point out some of those other things in our lives, doesn't it? Where there's bitterness or selfishness or envy. Sometimes it's much easier for us to see uh, how those things are destroying another person's life, then they can see it for themselves. The wise life, the wise person seeks peace, not just for themselves, but for others, for those trapped in that kind of bitter life. So that's a challenge for us, to think of those whom we know and love who have become bitter and selfish, envious, and to gently and calmly and considerately, impartially, sincerely be peacemakers and seek their good and speak words of life into their lives. For God doesn't want them to stay there or us to stay there. The good news is that Jesus has called each of us to repentance and trust in him and that in doing so he gives us the Holy Spirit he changes our hearts and so we can live a life that produces the fruit of righteousness the fruit of a tongue that praises God we'll make mistakes but God in his grace will meet us there forgive us our sins 
and help us to carry on seeking his glory day by day. Amen. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you're encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church. www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au Or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.